Welcome to The Truth, The Music and Me, the podcast. The Truth, The Music and Me. I'm Tamara Stewart and I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us. You can drop us a line if you want to send us an email, podcast at tamarastewartmusic.com. Well, here we are at episode 10 of The Truth, The Music and Me, the podcast. I'm Tamara Stewart. As always, I'm so glad that you are with us today. You know, we've had, um, we've had obviously nine episodes before we got to episode 10 and uh, it's been an interesting journey. Look, this week is a big week. This is the week that, uh, firstly, that the album is released on April 5th. So that's, uh, that is all happening this week. And we are, of course, in 2019, in case anyone's listening to this uh, in another year. It's, it's already out. <laughs> it's out there, baby. And I'm really, really proud of this, this record. I'm proud of, of the album and everyone involved in it. And, uh, yeah, I really hope you enjoy it if you do happen to get your hands on the songs that they're out there. Okay, so let's get stuck in. This is Love and Trouble. I'm going to give you a sneak peek. We're going to talk about a few different things, but let's start here. Stop pretending you don't think what I'm thinking. Everybody know. Everybody know. You make me high, I make you feel like Let me just say before we go any further, that track that you hear, that incredible group of musicians that made this song everything that it is, this is definitely one of those songs that every time I, it, I hear it, it still, I just love the groove of it. just feels so good. And that is what the song's about. It's about kind of moving on to the feel good. So can I just say shout out to those musicians. They deserve... Um, they deserve to be front and centre. Uh, Steve Mackey on the bass guitar and Chad Cromwell on the drums um, played on this whole record. And I'm so honoured and humbled to have all of the musicians on this album and to, to just, if, if, if you get the track and you really listen to the intro of, of Love and Trouble, you'll hear just the groove and the brilliance of um of how those guys set the set the whole song up and we got on guitars jed hughes who's insanely talented jed plays a bunch of different things on this record some acoustics and electrics and um i think we got i think he ended up playing some mando and a a couple of other things uh also mike rohorse on the organ and keys on this whole record the beautiful grand piano in blessed that's um that's mike we also had dave uh cohen come in and play some uh, extra keys on this. Jason Eskridge and Kristen Rogers on BVs. I just really want to give a shout out to all of those musicians. And snuck in there somewhere is a little acoustic guitar part that I played, but um, it has absolutely nothing to do with the groove and how great the song feels. I will just say that. But it, it's in there. It, it adds a little something. Okay, so one thing I didn't mention in The Rising, which I meant to actually in the last episode of the podcast, was um, how this whole concept was kind of born. I mean, 
for me, I'd been writing towards this album for a couple of years. In fact, the seed was planted that I would make another record when I wrote Birds in Cages. And, I, and that really just felt like a song that I needed to sing um, because it was so raw and so real and, and felt very much my story. So that song became the centrepiece for writing and, and I definitely knew that song was going to be on whatever this new album was going to be. So as as I went through everything I went through and, and was still pursuing my career here in Nashville as a writer, um, I was writing for me, writing for other people, writing songs for guys and girls. And But every now and again I would come through and find and write a song that felt like it was my story. So I would just sort of put a pin in it and have a list going. But no concept was really born until not too long before we recorded and uh, I was sitting in a coffee shop. I'll often take my, my laptop and headphones and work down and, and sit in, uh, in a coffee shop somewhere around Nashville here, which is my home base. And uh, I was sitting in the coffee shop down on Vanderbilt, down there on West End and uh, the coffee shop that's in the big bookstore, Barnes & Noble down there, go off and go in there. And have a look at, I love books. I can wander around a bookshop for like hours. I love it. And so I was sitting in there doing some work and emailing and stuff and setting up writing appointments and planning the recording and how I was going to do it. And and I had a pencil and paper out and I, was, I drew three boxes and I put ballads, mid-tempo, up-tempo. Because making a record, as you can imagine, you kind of want a good balance of like tempos obviously and moods and what you talk you don't kind of want to keep re-singing the same subject and those sorts of things so um I think of it almost like a set list um like if you go and see your favorite band they've designed that set list to take you on a musical journey so um emotional highs and lows and moods and those sorts of things so that that's essentially what I was thinking with this record and as I started to group the songs together I realised that it was more about what their theme was and what they represented. Uh, And then it started to feel like there was a pattern of progression that was happening in the songs. And so I looked at the three titles, slow, medium, fast or whatever I had, and grouped them in regards to where I was at the time. So I think the first round of the trilogy was... Um, the wreckage, I think it was the wreckage, the recovery and the rising. And then when I wrote those three things down, I looked and I thought, hang on, I, th- I think I've got a song I've written called The Rising, as I said. And so I went back through my work tapes um, as I was sitting in the coffee shop, put the headphones on and I listened to the work tape of The Rising that I wrote with Clay Mills. And I was like, yeah, man, that that needs to be on the record. And it wasn't on my list because writing so many songs, as you can imagine, over the course of the time I've been in Nashville, um, I don't know exactly how many songs that I've written, but there are some days when you've, you know, we'll go and do three in a day, at least two in a day. um, And uh, sometimes I don't do any songs in a day, but they do obviously add up. And I'd almost not for, well. I kind of, to be honest, I'd kind of forgotten about that song, and so I thought, okay, if that's the rising, let's just play with this concept. So I sat there for a while and um, just felt so invigorated and so excited about having it make that much 
tangible sense to be able to look at it and go, okay, this is a great way to categorise this record. And then it just sort of all came out like a magic eye picture when, you know, I stare at those patterny pictures for long enough, you can see an image come out. That's sort of what it felt like for me. And I was just really excited. And I hadn't felt that about my career as an, as an artist, um, for a really long time. I mean, it's not because of thinking it, the, about the success or thinking, oh gosh, I really hope or think this will do really well. It doesn't because I don't know. It's still, I still don't know, obviously, um, whether people are, are really going to connect to the songs because all of this that I'm, all of these podcasts are done prior to the record coming out. So, or as the record's coming out at least. So, yeah, so that was how the concept was born. And then the Ruin Recovery Rising just came with a bit of brainstorming. Something wasn't sitting right with um, the wreckage. And then I just sort of felt like this this album um, could serve as a, you know, how I got through what I got through. And maybe there's someone out there that can be inspired by it and be reminded in the ruin or in the recovery that the rising's coming and that that... That's something that um, that I know I don't ever want to forget. That hard times don't last forever and we can move through it and move past it and move on. So with that being said, uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, we need to get to what I'm almost avoiding in this track. <laughs> I need to be a grown-up and take my rosy cheeks and shy uh, disposition and uh, we need to start talking about moving on and what dating looks like these days. So moving on after divorce, breakups, uh, some people do the rebound thing. Some people jump straight back into uh, relationships, which is cool if it works for you. That's, that's you know, that it's, we're not here to say what's right or wrong. But, um, but it can be really challenging and really confronting for some people. And I only say that because it's very challenging and confronting for me. I'm actually um, an introvert, uh, which is kind of weird because here I am doing this, which is why it feels so uncomfortable for me to do this. Uh, but an INFP, if anybody's done the My- Myers-Briggs, um, I'm an INFP. So that basically means that I'm I'm an introvert, uh, creative, um, intuitive type person. If we can narrow it all down to an online survey, then that's what I am. <laughs> but uh, I do find that stuff kind of interesting because I do definitely – definitely identify with that. If you want to check out that online Myers-Briggs personality test, if you've never done it, it's kind of interesting. The funny thing about that that I just remembered actually talking about that is uh, the first time I was introduced to the test, I'd never heard about it before, but a friend of mine had the book. And so we were hanging out one Saturday night, drinking tea and doing personality tests, which is the kind of rock and roll life that I live. And uh, we were hanging out and I started doing this test with her. And this is while I was still in my relationship, living here in Nashville, trying to trying to make it all work. And it was, it was really, really hard going. And 
and it was just, it was hard. And so I'd give her an answer because it asks you a question, gives you a, a multiple choice answer. And I'd give her an answer and she'd just be like, that's not at all what you're like. Like, that's not how I see you at all. And then we'd talk through why I think that and she'd share why she thought that. And it was just really, really interesting. And I actually said to her in so many words, well, it depends whether I'm answering as the person that's here living my my life or the person that I'm supposed to be. And she was just like, wow, did you just hear what you just said? And I realised in that moment that I'm... I'm fighting being the person that living the life I've always wanted to live. I'm fighting feeling free in myself. And we talked about that in the last episode about not having my own opinions and not, you know, all of those things. So that was, that was for me a, a real wake up call in that, okay, I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy. And, um, this is really unhealthy for me, um, emotionally and mentally. So I did that test again not 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 too long ago and got a really clear easy you know with conviction INFP. Okay, so let's talk about like how to move forward, how to how to do it in a healthy way and I am not an expert in this at all. I'm only going to talk from my experience because I think everyone's just got to, it's just like do you man, but for me um I just had no interest at all in being um, interactive with anybody on a romantic level. So I had a lot of work to do clearly on myself, which we've talked uh, extensively about. (laughs) So I was kind of busy doing that. I was making friends. I was working so hard just to stay afloat here in, um, in Nashville and just doing my thing and fighting for my life really fighting for this life that I wanted to live so dating I wasn't really interested in for a really 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 long time but then I was don't get caught in chaos and So once I was kind of on the rise, um, I was interested in at least sort of connecting with people and seeing what the world looked like as a a single person and uh, entertaining the thought that maybe I had something to offer. Um, I could, you know, I I could even remarry. Maybe I'll meet somebody that I want to marry and I'm not against the idea at all. I think marriage can be a beautiful thing. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe, okay, I'm, I'm open to it. Oh, well, I've, well, I've, cr- I've cracked the door open slightly to it, <laughs> which is a big thing for me. Um, and so I had a friend that was lovingly nagging me to get on a dating app because I, I'm just not the sort of person to go out and try to talk to guys or anything like that. I'm, I've never felt comfortable in those social situations. So I thought if I can go on this app and feel safe, which I, I did, I did, then um, I may as well give it a go. And it became just people watching, really. It was just a matter of me kind of seeing what was out there. And and as the female, you get to um, make the first move. So that's that's the safety thing I think I found with the Bumble app is that the you, they people can't just contact you willy-nilly. Um, <laughs> 
interesting pun. But I will say there's only one time I went on a date with someone from a dating app. They were normal. We had an awesome time. Really cool person. Kind of had their their stuff together. Um, but that I've only done that once. And I mean, right now I'm not really seeking. That's not my that's not my priority right now. I'm very career focused and um, music and just loving hanging out with my friends and just a really exciting time right now and I'm in a really good space. And I mean that may change. I may meet somebody that um, changes my mind on that but I just as yet haven't been inspired. <laughs> you know, I know lots of people that's, that are marrying or you hear of people that have met people on, on dating apps and I mean maybe you know someone or a couple that um, met that way. Um, I've got friends that have met their next special person through like um, at the supermarket or at the gym or they run into them or meet them at a, like a surfing, like a paddleboarding club. Um, they end up finding their, their, the love of their life. So you just never know. It's just about being open and when you're ready and don't rush it. And I mean, the fact is there are good people out there that are looking for good people. And it gets lonely. You know, it's very lonely doing, I know for me, like loneliness is something I've learned to really be comfortable with. I never used to be able to be on my own. Uh, I just was really very fearful at night um, going back many years. So even just to be able to be lonely and be okay with that is kind of a little bit of a personal win for me. But, you know, getting out and keeping your boundaries and all these things you've learned about yourself and um, connecting with people and just communication and connection is just so powerful. And being okay with being alone and isolating are two very different things. So it is important to go out and connect. It is important to interact with people. But just be sure that you're ready. There's no rush, but just be ready. And, and if you get set up with a blind date or, you, you know, you meet someone at the supermarket or whatever, <laughs> um, you know, just be sure that you, it's a clean start for you, that you're not still in the drama of where you were and that you bring that into relationship or the person that you're dating is talking about their ex and the drama in a way that isn't um, reflective and an example of growth, then maybe they're not ready either. I just personally feel like when you're meeting someone new, the best you can do for them is to not bring your old stuff with you because that's something I've done in the past and it's just not fair. I've never really been single for an extended period of time. So this has been really cool for me. It's been good for my soul just to take my time and, um, yeah, just work out who I am and to appreciate what I'm capable of. And, I, I, you know, and I feel like I've got something to offer somebody else. For the first time in my life, to be honest, I feel like I've really got something that, that I can bring to the table. And, man, that feels good. That's a pretty corny way to talk about a song that's a bit raunchy, isn't it? <laughs> but I just think this is, this is for me, the issue. Now, I'm not going to tell you who I wrote the song about and I'm not going to tell you what happened, <laughs> if anything. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> That is episode 10 
of The Truth, The Music and Me, the podcast. Oh, I'm getting sad. It's going to be over soon. Uh, but that doesn't mean that our conversation and communication has to stop. You know where to find us, podcast at marishalkmusic.com. And also check out the website, come and see a show. Would love to see you. Um, and if you want to grab the album, you know what to do. The Truth, The Music and Me, across all formats, you can get um, CDs ordered, physical CDs through my website as well. But next week, oh, man, I've been so excited to to bring you this next song and to tell you about this song. This is the very, very last song that was written for the album. It's not the last. It's the second last song on the album. We've got two more episodes of uh, the podcast to go. But uh, I can't wait to tell you about Face the Music. I had to face the music When I did what I found Was a queen without a crown In a strength and a voice I wasn't using Between the storms and the doubt That almost broke me down Some days I can't believe I made it through it and the truth is had to face the music. So please tune in. We've got two more episodes of the podcast to go. This has been episode 10. Next week, episode 11. Until then, take care of yourself. The truth. The music. And me.